This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. When talking about these um, different ministries that we support, Project Playground is one of them. Uh, then we talked about Dottie's ministry and Chris Follis' ministry. All of those are environment changers. You know, when, when, when Matt and his team go in and put a playground in, it changes an environment. These kids have never, have never seen one. It, it makes a difference. Often they're connected to a church, and so it gives them an opportunity to reach adults. It's a wonderful ministry. Dottie and, and Chris change the environment for someone who's coming with, dealing with substance abuse or a real trauma, and they get involved in a God-infused environment, and that makes a difference. Because let me tell you, anytime you bring God into a situation, you bring hope. I appreciate all the secular plans, but there is no plan like God has a plan for you and you can come out of this. And so when these men and women get inside these environments, it enables them to break free from some of the uh, addictions they have dealt with. And the key is changing their environment when they get out. If they can stay out of those environments that are, are drug-inducing or alcohol-inducing environments, they can stay out of those and it's, it's a great way to stay free. So you can shape an environment. I want to talk about that a little bit this morning. How many of you know that we're coming up on the holiday seasons? This is the worst time of the year to lose weight. <laughs> and it's not that our willpower has shifted. It is the fact that our environment has changed. Everyone I know around the church, and y'all are so good and loving, y'all bring food up here for the staff during the holidays. And, and so... You go in our break rooms, it's crazy. There's, man, there's, don't, there's cake, cake balls and donut holes and cookies and candy and, and all this stuff. And it's like, and, there, and it's always gone by the end of the day. <laughs> so this, this year, I'm asking that the only thing you bring our staff is celery and carrot sticks. Can you do that? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. There would, there would be a mutiny, a staff mutiny. <laughs> But, but the idea is if you don't have snacks facing you all the time, it's easier to lose weight because your, your, your environment has changed. If you need to focus, if, if you really have some work to do and need to focus, how many of you understand it, you can focus better if possibly if you leave your, your phone in another room? I, I have found that when, when I really want to focus on, on my devotional time, I do a whole lot better if I just leave the phone downstairs. And I know the thought is, what if someone needs me? What I found is if somebody needs me, they will call me. They will not text me and, or email me. People don't, oh, I have an emergency. I'm going to email you. No, no, no. They're going to call. And so it's, it's easier. And listen, I have no problem. If you read your Bible on your phone or your tablet, fine. I'm, I'm glad you're reading your Bible. The challenge is when I read, I have an old fashioned Bible. It's made with leather and it has pages and and pen and ink, and it, it you say that's old school. The beauty of that is every time I'm reading that Bible, no notifications come in. And how many of you realize, man, you can start off great, and all of a sudden someone texts you something, and it could be absolutely just so trivial, but you're like, yeah, what about that? You just you lost concentration. So if you want to you want to lose weight, remove the snacks. If you want to if you want to focus, remove the distractions. If you want to improve the environment in your home, you say, I, well, I know what I need to do there. I need a brand new living room suit is what I, I know that, that, that will change. Do you, do you know there, there actually is something you can do to improve the environment and it won't cost you anything? Interested? 
Two of you are. Okay, great. Let's look at this. Uh, <laughs> it says, better a dry crust with peace and quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. You take the strife out of a home, you've just improved the relationship, the environment in the home. And Proverbs says, you're better off eating a rice cake with peace and quiet than papacitos with strife. If, if, I don't care how good the food is, if you're arguing, if you're fussing, that ruins things. And so what we, what we find is, now, <laughs> there was a, a couple that was having an argument that just escalated to the point where they were now starting to give each other the silent treatment. Don't raise your hands if you've ever done that, but you're giving, they were giving each other the silent treatment. Now there's a rule if you're going to give someone the silent treatment. If you give them the silent treatment, the first one who speaks, what? Loses, exactly. Everybody knows that. You can't speak. So a man realized, he said he's got an important business meeting. He did not want to break the, the silent rule. So he wrote his note, put it beside her bedside that said, please wake me up. I have an important business meeting tomorrow. I've got to make a flight. Wake me up at five o'clock. Left it right beside her bed. He woke up the next morning and light is streaming. You never had that feeling? You wake up, you needed to get up early and it's bright light. You're like, uh-oh. He looked at his, his, his clock, it was eight o'clock. Man, he was so mad and he got up to find out why she didn't wake him up. And right beside his bedside on the table was a note that said, wake up, it's five o'clock. <laughs> I believe that's gonna be a strife escala escalating kind of situation. That's, if you wanna improve your home environment, take the arguing and the strife, do everything you can to take it out. But how about creating an environment for blessings. Can you actually have an environment that's conducive to God's blessings? Now, God's blessings are his favor, his protection, his action, his involvement, his, his involvement in our life. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes we look at other people and we go, they are so blessed. How come I'm not blessed? I guess maybe God loves them more than he loves me. I, I don't believe that. I believe God is totally just and totally fair. And his word says he's not a respecter of persons. In other words, he doesn't play favorites. So what happens? How does someone create an environment? Well, God has always been a blessing God, but he's always had conditions to his blessing. Now, I want to give you a, a, a great verse. Now, well, actually, think about Abraham. Uh, Clayton did a great job for us last week. He talked about Abraham. Abraham, we know Abraham was blessed, but before Abraham was blessed, God spoke to him and said, I need you to leave your, your, your father's home. I need to, you to leave your country and go to a land I will show you and I will bless you. So the blessing followed Abraham's leaving. When God spoke to the nation of Israel, they're getting ready to go into the promised land. This is what he said. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you on high above all the nations of the earth and all these blessings will come on you and accompany you. Another translation says overtake you if you obey the Lord your God. Now I've been in a situation where I have been, where I've seen blessings. I've been in a situation where there was no blessings. Uh, and it actually was involved two churches. Joy and I have started two churches. We started a church in 1989 in my hometown of Greensburg, North Carolina. We went back there, we, we moved back, moved the whole family back. And when we, when we got there, I, I began to talk to different schools to see if any school would let us come in and have church there. I was rebuffed by all of them. I spent a whole Saturday 
walking around. I walked all over that, that part of town. I passed out flyers, new church, new church. Nobody showed up. Well, one couple showed up. And my parents showed up, but they left. In the first month, <laughs> they're like, Alan, we gotta go back to our church. That's not a good sign. When your parents leave, it's time to pack your saddle up, Paul. It, it, it's over. And I, I, I remember our first service, we had no, and in fact, Jordan and I were talking about that, we had no worship at all except me leading a cappella. <laughs> Y'all say, bless his heart. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty bad. And we, we had children's church in the, in the hallway of a Howard Johnson's motel. Anybody remember those Howard Johnson's that used to be kind of A-framed? And this A-frame had paneling on the walls. It was dark. We finished that first service. We went to Wendy's. My parents took us out. We just sat there and ate. We were so depressed. We're like, this is bad. We shut it down in a month. There was not God's blessings. Let's fast forward seven years. Now we're here in Conroe. And the Lord spoke to our heart, Conroe. And so I, I told Joy, I said, I'm going to find a place. I, I got dressed. I was still working with the minister staff. I got dressed, coat and tie. I said, I'm going to go find a place for us to meet. So I said, why don't you go to, like there's a, a Montessori center. I'm like, yeah, 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 whatever. So I went first to, a, I think there was a Holiday Inn up here on 45. I walked in there and I'm like, no, no, this isn't gonna work. So I thought, what have I got to lose? I'm, I'm gonna go to the Montessori center like Joy said. And, uh, <laughs> and so I, I walked in and there was a lady sitting there and she said, how can I help you? Because I look like I'm selling something. She said, I said, how about some additional advertising and some free and some additional revenue? She said, what are you selling? I said, I'm starting a church. I said, I came from Lakewood Church in Houston. We're starting a church. I said, I'm looking for a place. She said, well, well, let me show you around. So she got up and showed me around. She said, you know, she said, my family and I have been looking for a, a, a new church. She said, you want to start a church? Start it here. She said, I won't charge you anything. That would be free. In, in your... <laughs> I, walked out, I walked out and I looked at my watch. It was about 10 o'clock in the morning. I, I'd, I'd planned the whole day. I just found a place that was free. I sat there and I went, no, that's too easy. That, that can't be God. That was way too easy. So I looked around for about half the afternoon. Then I thought, am I stupid? I got a free place. But interesting, after I walked out of Janine Cobb's place, she looked at her staff and said, what did I just do? She says, I don't know this guy. And she actually called down to Lakewood and thank God the person who answered the phone knew who we were and liked us and said, yeah, that's okay. But we started, we didn't, have, we didn't have any praise and worship, but we had an AOR sound system and we had another couple of couples that joined us. But here was the difference. When we ended that service, Joy looked at me, she said, what do you think? I said, I think we planted a seed. And what we sensed was God's blessings were in this environment here. And so what we saw was, now we dipped down to 20 the next week because we couldn't keep paying people to come. And so we dipped down <laughs> to 20. But then it began to, to bump up and it's grown. And 23 years later, guys, we're sitting here in a beautiful building with wonderful carpet and, and we're, we're about to, it's, it's, hey. You say, well, Alan, do you, was it that God did not love those people in North Carolina and he just loves those people in Texas? Yes, that's, that's actually it. No, no, that, no, that's not it. It was, we were in an environment where God could bless now, let me give you a quick story in, in the Bible that really is a story of creating an environment for God's blessings. 
God said that. He wants to bless. He's a blessing God. That's what he does. So what we're looking to do is just align ourselves and get in position to be blessed. So the man we're talking about today is an Old Testament prophet called Elijah. He was kind of a rough guy, very abrupt, um, not, not really the, the nicest guy. They called him Elijah the Tishbite, which just sounds like a bad dude. What's your name? Elijah the Tishbite. And he goes to the king and tells the king of Israel, Ahab, who was a really bad guy, he said, it's not going to rain till I say so. The Lord had told him that. So for three and a half years, they had no rain. Well, you know what that does in an agricultural society. Now there's no, there's no rain. Now you've got not just a recession, you've got a depression. And people are hurting and starving. And Elijah ran because the king wanted to kill him. And he was by a brook for a while. And, and actually ravens brought him food. But then the brook dried up. And God had a plan for Elijah. Let's read this plan here. The word of the Lord came to him, Elijah saying, Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I've commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called out to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And she was going to get it. He called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you've said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me and afterward make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and he and her household ate for many days. And the bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. When, the, when this brook dried up and, and the Lord said, go to Zarephath, you need to understand that this Zarephath was not on the Airbnb's great places to visit if you're Jewish. It was a, uh, Sidon was basically Phoenicia. And uh, they were, pretty much against Israelis. They were back and forth. They had fought for years. And Zarephath was just a city that belonged. It wasn't in Israel. It wasn't in Judah. You think, man, that would be a place to go. And a widow. Well, a widow then, you, you know, today, some of the most marginalized people in our society are our single moms. And this, this lady was a widow and a single mom. And so you're thinking, wow, if anyone's going to take care of me, why don't you send me to a rich guy? Why don't you send me to someone who's got some money? But he sent Elijah to an unusual city, to an unusual source. But Elijah went. When he finds this lady, we begin to get a little glimpse of her. We get a glimpse of her heart. You know, Elijah shows up. He's been living by a brook for a long time. He's already a rough looking guy. And he, and he says to her, hey, can you get me a drink of water, please? You know, she could have looked at him and went, who are you? And why do I have to? Because remember, she's going to get sticks to make a fire for her last meal. So she's under stress. And now this guy's asking for a drink of water. It's obvious he's not from around here. And she, you know, she could look to him and said, what? I don't want to go. But she, she went to get him a cup of water. He said, please. And then he did what men, it, it's, it's in our genes. He said, why you're up? 
how many of you ladies know exactly what I'm talking about? <laughs> Maybe while you're up, would you <laughs> get me a sandwich? Um, he said, <clears throat> he actually said, while you're up, would you get me a small cake? <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, when I think of cake, I think of chocolate. <laughs> Basically, what he asked for was a, a flour and oil, a biscuit. He said, would you bring me a biscuit? He said, would you bring me a biscuit first? Ooh, that's a tough one. She got a little boy. He, he actually is a small child at home, her only son. And um, could you imagine the fear she dealt with? She's making a last meal, and now this preacher shows up and asked for the first biscuit. But he said to her, don't fear. Because the fear of putting God first is very real. But she, and so you can imagine the thoughts running through her head. If I make this guy a biscuit, I'm not going to have enough for me and my son. But he gave her something to override her fear. You need a faith that overrides fear. And he gave her a promise. He said, the Lord says, if you'll do it, then your flour and your oil will not run out. And to her credit and to her, well, she stepped out and did it. And everybody got blessed. She and Elijah and her son were able to eat. She honored the Lord by, by making Elijah something first. Notice Elijah didn't say, give me all you've got. He just says, give me the first that you've got. And she she obeyed that. He got the first biscuit and everyone had biscuits for a long time. She honored God. Elijah honored God by going to this unlikely place. But both of them created an environment where there were blessings. How do you create an environment of blessings in your life? Can you do that? Because God just kind of looked down at you one day and go, okay, well, they're trying. No, there's some things you can do. I think the first thing you want to begin to do is you want to follow God's plan. You want to pray about that. Ask God, God, what is your plan? My dad and I had, we were very much alike, and so we clashed at times. And we had, our, our theology discussion went along this line. I was getting ready to come back to Texas, leaving North Carolina after that church didn't make it. I'm getting ready to come back home. And uh, I said, no, I said, Mom, Dad, I'm going home. And my dad said, well, he said, the way I do it is I, I make my plans, and then I say, Lord, here are my plans. Bless them. I said, well, dad, that's great. And I said, I got a different philosophy. I said, I asked the Lord, Lord, what is your plan for me? It's already blessed. And so would you get his plan? It's already blessed. So well, how do I begin to find his plan for my life? Well, the first thing you have to do is you have to acknowledge him. There's a great verse in Proverbs. It's one of Joy's favorites. She works it with the staff all the time. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. All your ways, acknowledge, he shall direct. We acknowledge, he directs. If we don't acknowledge, he won't direct. You know, if you, if you figure it out that God's not going to make you do anything, he gives us an opportunity, but the more we acknowledge, the more he directs. Joy met a man in, in college, young man in college, when she went to Florida State. He was 6'4", blonde hair, blue eyes. Joy said he looked like a Viking. Big, broad-shouldered. He was a genius. Never studied, made straight A's. He could play any kind of musical instrument. incredibly gifted. His parents, his dad was a doctor and they were wealthy. 
And he enjoyed, he was a believer. And he and Joy met and they, man, they fell in love. And, and when they were in New York City with the family, he proposed to Joy and they were going to get married. And for Joy, it was the perfect situation. 6'4", Viking, with a wealthy family, who's a genius. But she came back and something began to nag at her and she finally said, she got to the place where she went and she earnestly prayed, very honestly. She said, Lord, she said, I don't want my will. By the way, his name was Will. She said, I don't want my will. I want your will. And she prayed. Within two weeks, my side of it is he broke up with her. Joy's side of it, it was, it was mutual. But they broke up. It was devastating to her. She was thinking, oh, this, this is the best. Am I ever going to beat this? Say, hold on, Alan. You're 5'10", and no one's ever accused you of looking like a Viking. <laughs> yeah, I got that. And uh, when, when she married me, she got me and my debts. But here's the thing. Listen, you, you, you got to look at the long run. A number of years ago, through the wonders of social media, he reached out to Joy and this other guy. And uh, she, she responded back, and we looked him up. And... He's not married, never has, living, no kids, living in New York City, working with Broadway, with, with music. He's, like I said, he's a great musician. You say, well, that's not so bad. Yeah, but I believe God had a different plan for my wife. Because if you've ever heard her speak, you know she has a genuine gift. And God had a plan. See, she got the 5'10", sort of blue-eyed, non-Viking person who would one day be a pastor who would give her a, a, a platform which she would be a blessing to thousands of people on a regular basis and have three kids. And I'm so glad I won. But the idea is God's plan versus our plan. Second thing, if we're going to follow and create an atmosphere, an environment for blessings, we have, to, we have to have uh, an overriding faith of putting God first. Putting God first is a, is a, is a challenge. God, if, and, and not just financially, in every area. God, if I put you first, that's what Joyce said. God, if I put you first, I'm going to lose this. God, if I put you first, if, if I treat people like you want me to treat people, they're going to run all over me. God, if I forgive, that, that means that, that, that they go away scot-free. So many things and life come down to God, are we going to do it your way? We're going to do it our way. If we put you first, what's going to happen? And it takes, it really takes a faith. But like the little widow woman, we need an overriding faith that's bigger than our fear. And so we need a promise to hang on. I'll tell you a quick story. Greatest gift that Joy and I gave was when we were in North Carolina. We'd really gotten down financially. We didn't have any money. And Joy had a relative that died we didn't even know about and sent us $5,000. Now, when you have zero, 5,000 is a huge gift. And when it came in, I'm already spending it. Mentally, you know how that is. So was joy. And so I'm praying one night, and, and boy, the Lord put it on my heart so strong that there was a couple we knew in Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe was going through a lot of turmoil. There's a couple we knew. They were a missionary couple. And, and the Lord just impressed upon me to send $2,500, which is half 
of that 5,000 down to Zimbabwe to this couple. And I, man, I, 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 I'm like, no, you need to get behind me, Dylan. That, that is, get behind me, Satan. That is not God. That is, and I, I prayed about it again, and boy, it just kept coming up. I prayed about it a couple of days. Finally, I, I, I told the Lord, if that's you, you're going to have to tell Joy. <laughs> I know it's the chicken's way out. That's exactly what I did. So I go to Joy, and I said, Joy, I said, the Lord's impressing me. We need to send some of this money to the, to the brooms. That was a, a, the family down in Zimbabwe. And I remember her eyes got big. And she said, how much? And because for Joy, that was her get out of town money. That was our moving money. And uh, she said, how much? I said, you need to pray about it. And she came back to me in a couple of days. She said, I keep getting this number $2,500. I'm like. <laughs> and we were, it, it, it floored us for a while because, man, we didn't have anything. But we just sensed this was the Lord. And so we said, okay, we're going to do this. And I remember when I wrote that check, we wrote the check out and I put it in the mailbox. When I dropped that thing in the mailbox, it's like I had something on the inside of me just rise. I was excited. I was excited because it was blessing them. And I was also excited because I was obeying God. And I won't go through the length of it, but that was in, that was just right around almost uh, the first day of January. I mailed it. So we could get it in in 1989. In 1990, we saw so many things happen. We moved back to Texas. We bought a house. We got a job. And at the end of the year, we were in better shape financially than we had ever been in our entire life. When you, listen, when you give, when you give God, the, when he gets the first biscuit, when, you, when he gets the first biscuit, you set yourself up for blessing. Say, Alan, do you believe that giving that 2,500 opened the door to all those things? Absolutely yes. Well, I don't believe that. Well, you weren't there. <laughs> I was there. And I knew how low we had been, and I knew how God pulled us out. It's the fear of putting him first. That's the challenge. Here's the last thing. Create an environment for blessing, and this might be it's, it's, it's a theme throughout it, but it might be one of the biggest themes. It's develop a heart to be a blessing. See, the kingdom of God doesn't work on, we get blessings and we're like, oh, I need blessings so I can be blessed. The idea is I need blessings so I can be a blessing. So I don't have the resources to be a blessing, Alan. Listen, you, don't, you can be like that widow. You don't need a lot. You just need to have a willing heart that says, God, make me a blessing to somebody around me. Quick story, I'm gonna close. I've told this Debbie story before, but there's always new people here. And so, but listen to it in context of what I'm saying. Debbie was the girl that Joy and I met when we were at Lakewood. We were the singles directors. She came from an abused home where her husband abused her, abandoned her, and she and her little boy, when they came to us, they'd been living in a tent in Florida. She moved there. She was one of the saddest people I've ever met. She would talk to you. She couldn't look you in the eyes. She would always look down. And when she would talk, she, she cried. Joy and I would go home. We would talk about different members. And we were like, this girl just breaks our heart. But she kept coming to church. She kept listening to John Osteen. She kept coming to our classes. She rode the bus. She and a little boy rode the bus to church every time. And she would come. And she began to hear something. Listen, one of the values of reading God's word, one of the values of hearing God's word is it can plant a seed in you that is bigger than the circumstances that you're in and you can start to get a vision that my life can change. 
And she heard that she could be a blessing and she went sincerely before the Lord. She said, Lord, if you will help me get a car, I will take people to church. I'll bring them. And you know, somebody found out about Debbie's situation and they, they handed her the keys and the title deed to a car. It wasn't a new car and it was not pretty. But if you've been riding the bus, it was a beautiful car to Debbie. Debbie found an apartment complex that was filled with people with disabilities. They were blind. They had all kinds of disabilities. And Debbie started rounding them up, cramming them in her car and bringing them to church. I would see the, the troop that she would come in with. And I'm like, oh my gosh, where did she find these people? But she kept bringing them and kept bringing them. And then she got another job and it was a better job. And then she got another job and it was a better job. And then she's, my company was hiring. I worked for a check printer and she said, Alan, I'd like to apply for that job. I said, I'll put in a good word. They hired her. It was even a better job. And she lived in an apartment complex close to work. She was such a blessing to all the children. When she would go home, they gave her a free apartment because she reached out to so many of the kids and opened up their home. Everywhere that girl went, there were just blessings. She married a man a few years later. They had a great ministry to the homeless. But I'll tell you one of the greatest things that happened to Debbie. Debbie no longer looked down when she talked to you. Debbie no longer cried when she talked to you. There was a spark of life there that God can do something with my life and make me a blessing to the people around me. It absolutely changed her and we've loved telling her story for years. <laughs> Say, well, I'm not Debbie or I'm not destitute. No, but you can't ask the Lord, Lord, would you make me a blessing? To make me a blessing to people. You don't, it doesn't have to be big. It can be small. Joy went up to see Christina recently. And yesterday I was, I, I, I was thinking about this. I said, Lord, would you make me a blessing? I just had a, a witness on the inside. Write Joy a note. Some people like flowers. Some people like jewelry. Joy just likes notes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so much cheaper. But, uh, and I just wrote her a note. And, and two or three times, she's thanked me, thanked me, thanked me. It doesn't take much to be a blessing. Just have the heart to be a blessing. And what you begin to do is align yourself. I'll tell you something. God will do some amazing things in your life. Will you bow your head with me for a moment? Please, no one leaving or moving will be out of here in just a couple of minutes. If you came today and said, Alan, I don't even have a relationship with, with God. I don't know that I've ever asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord of my life. Or you're here and you say, I've done that. I asked Jesus to be the Lord, but I've gotten so far away from him. I'm away from God, but I don't want to stay there. We're going to say a prayer this morning. And sitting in your chair, I'm not asking you to stand up or come to the front, but sitting in your chair, I want to give you an opportunity to connect with the one who loves you more than anyone else and who will bless your life more than anyone else. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I am going to ask you to do one thing. If that's you, either one of those situations is you that I'm talking to, would you just slip your hand up and say, Alan, that's me. Would you, would you pray for me? I want to make sure I know the Lord or I want to come back to him. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Anybody else? Thanks. Appreciate your courage and your humility. Thank you. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. No one's looking around. Maybe you didn't lift your hand, but you won't in on this prayer. Listen, this is a heart prayer. You can pray this. Pray it with us. We're going to pray it with you out loud as a church family. You pray it so you can hear yourself pray it. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. 
I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Our heads are bowed still and eyes are closed. Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer. For those who've come out of darkness into light and for those who've come home, we rejoice with them. And Father, for the rest, thank you that you are a God that desires to bless your people. Teach us to align ourselves, to follow your plan, to be a blessing. Lord, thank you. But this church is destined for blessings in the days ahead. We give you all the praise for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.